Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines. And Pastor Joe Sorgen. Welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This season, as we've mentioned already in the past two episodes, we are taking some time, Joe and I, just to discuss some element of the past week's sermon. And we're doing this in order to model for our church and any other listeners um, how to make the most out of the preaching that we receive on Sundays. That, as James says in James 1.22, that we would not only be doers of the word, or sorry, hearers of the word only, but doers of the word, not deceiving ourselves, as James says. Uh, it's so easy to kind of nod in agreement with what we're hearing and then leave the service and pretty much forget about what we heard and never actually discuss it with other people, never put it into practice. And so one of the ways we can make the most out of Sunday preaching is by talking about it with other people and whether that's our family or friends or other people in the church. And so that's what we're doing. And right now as a church, we are going through the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And we just started in chapter three, where Paul warns the church about false teachers. And specifically, he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And we know from the context of Philippi or of, of the book of Philippians, and then also from other letters written at this time, that he's talking about false teachers, particularly a group called the Judaizers, or sometimes called the circumcision party, who were teaching uh, a false gospel that in order to have a right relationship with God, you must obey the old covenant laws, which included circumcision. Uh, it was faith plus works. And so concerned that that false teaching might come into Philippi, Paul warned the church there. And of course, that's not the only kind of false teaching there is. There's been all kinds of different false teachers and false gospels over the centuries ever since. But uh, this warning continues to today. We need to be on the lookout. We need to be aware. We need to recognize, as Jesus said, that there are going to be false teacher. There's going to be teachers. There's going to be sheeps and wolves clothing, and that that's going to um, increase as it gets nearer to his return. And so what Joe and I just want to do today is talk a little bit about that. And specifically, what are some of the categories of false teaching that we see prevalent today? So Joe, why don't you start and just uh, maybe mention one? Yeah, I think uh, one one area um, where there's uh, an awful lot of false teaching is, is very broad. Uh, there's many groups, uh, faith groups that fall into this category, um, but it's cults. And uh, obviously, um, I guess specifically here, thinking of what we would consider to be Christian cults. So uh, maybe they use the Bible or parts of the Bible as their holy book, but they've got other stuff on top of that, so on and so forth. But a lot of what they say and what they do sounds and looks like mm -hmm. Orthodox Christianity. But in reality, it's not. Uh, it is a twisting of the truth, uh, whether that's denying the Trinity, which is a uh, probably the most common amongst uh, amongst cults uh, mm -hmm. denying which once you do that then you're denying the deity of Jesus um, which then uh, of course lessens the fact that he died on the cross um, and um, basically our our faith as Christians uh, which is based on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes moot right and then the gospel means nothing um, and so I think uh, cults are, are something that we need to be very aware of because they do look so Christian oftentimes. And mm -hmm. uh, actually, they even try to call themselves Christians. Um, and, and it can become very confusing. Um, and 
especially because lots of cults, not all, but lots of cults um, spend a lot of time proselytizing mm. uh, and evangelizing. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, they might even come by your door and, and talk to you and it might sound really good. But in reality, we need to always make sure we, we check what they're saying. Um, and, and we need to know our own Bibles well uh, and our own faith well in order to recognize that these might be the dogs that, uh, that Paul's warning about. Um, that that we need to be aware of because what what they are teaching uh, is not biblical truth. It's it's a lie or it's a a partial truth that mm -hmm. can confuse many. And so we just need to be uh, certainly need to be aware of of different cults um, that are are prevalent in our society. Yeah, and and I think you made a good point too that so often what they're saying sounds christian or sounds kind of biblical and maybe they'll even pull um passages out of scripture and say look here's what this says and usually out of context or maybe they're using their own um distorted translation like the jehovah's witnesses do but uh i've heard it said before often cultists will use the same vocabulary but they're using a different dictionary yeah. right so they'll, they'll use similar words biblical language but if you press them harder it'll turn out that oh you actually mean something very different. So Jesus is not e the eternal God, one member, uh, one person within the one triune God. Jesus or is more of a um, created being, right, by God, or, or Jesus became fully divine, that sort of thing. And so often, you know, if, if we're dealing with cultists, or we're dealing with people that are, are teaching something that just doesn't feel right, press them with questions. Well, what exactly do you mean by this? And specifically questions about Jesus, because with basically all the cults, that's what it really comes down to. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus the eternal God, one person uh, in the one triune God? Uh, if you start pressing in there, you'll find pretty quickly whether they're orthodox or not. Yeah. And, uh, and again, because they do often proselytize, you get opportunities to do that maybe mm -hmm. more often than you'd even like to. But mm -hmm. uh, um, it, it's, I think it's a, a great practice actually to, um, not that it's a good thing that there's people who are parts of cults, but, um, when they come, I, I would say have conversations with them and mm -hmm. it, it can be good practice to know our own, uh, our own beliefs, uh, and to know the Bible well, and to be able to challenge them, uh, to, to think about what it is that they believe as well. Yeah. And one resource I would recommend, there's an author, his name is Ron Rhodes, and he actually has two books, but then also two little pamphlet booklets uh, about Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. And they are super helpful. And I think each of the booklet has like 50 differences, and then he's got scripture references for them. So specific teachings that they will present. And that can be a real helpful tool. Either it could be something you could just give to someone if they knock on the door and like, hey, you know, maybe you want to take a look at this and see the differences and see what scripture actually teaches. Or if you have time, maybe you want to go through that with them. Okay, let's look at these differences. So what do you teach about this? It says, it says you teach this. Is that right? Yeah. Well, look at this scripture. This scripture actually says this. Start a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, sowing seeds of doubt, we hope, within those who have been uh, deceived so yeah, so cults, that's that's the obvious one maybe with false teachers. Uh, there's others though who would maybe fall within Orthodox Christianity to some extent, at least on paper, you know, their statements of faith would be Orthodox. They would follow, you know, the, the ecumenical creeds, Apostles' Creed and that sort of thing. Like they believe, at least on paper again, the truth about Christ and, and other things. 
but in practice, they will teach something very different. One would be what used to be called liberal Christianity now has sort of been rebranded as progressive Christianity, which again, will essentially often use, use Christian, use biblical language. But as you press harder, you'll find that again, same vocabulary, different dictionary. And so they might be able to uh, affirm the apostles creed, but then when you ask, okay, but when it says that Jesus was raised from the dead, do you believe he was literally historically raised from the dead or just that he was raised spiritually in some sense that uh, he's alive now in the hearts of everyone who follows his teaching, that sort of thing. Um, you know, within liberal progressive Christianity, you will get very different answers there and, and different answers on all sorts of things. But really, at the heart of this false teaching, what it'll come down to is uh, a lack of confidence in the Word of God. The Word of God is not truly inspired, breathed out by God, and therefore it is not truly perfect, inerrant, and our only authority. And I always put it this way, usually, because obviously there's a ton of teachings that uh, uh, progressives will get into, but ultimately it comes down to this. Will you read the scripture through the lens of contemporary culture or will you read your contemporary culture through the lens of scripture? That's really what it comes down to. And what progressives will do is take contemporary culture and the way that the culture is thinking. Um, they will take, uh, you know, the social norms uh, that are, that are changing within our own culture, or they'll take um, certain elements of science, we might even say, quote unquote, science, because whether evolutionary theory, for example, is actual um, objective science is obviously debatable. But they'll take those things and then they will read the Bible through that lens and reinterpret it. And they'll say, because we need the Bible to be relevant to people today. And we know that these things in the Bible can't possibly be true because we have evolved past that as a people. Our cultures progressed past that. We know that that is backwards. We know that that's not right. And so we're going to look at scripture differently. And we're going to say, well, you know what? The biblical authors, they were wrong about some things and they had their biases. And so we need to look through that and then either um, find the parts of scripture that are actually inspired, that are actually God's word or parts that become God's word as we have some kind of experiential, um, uh, some sort of experiential um, uh, experience or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, interaction with scripture and scripture, you know, speaks to us spiritually, that sort of thing. But that's what it really comes down to, isn't it? Yeah. It's what is the Bible? Is it the word of God in which we look at everything through that lens or is it something else? And do we come to the Bible with all kinds of contemporary presuppositions? Yeah. And I think one of the unique things about uh, progressive Christianity is because people are, are reading the Bible through their own cultural lens um, and coming to their own interpretations, there's a huge lack of agreement among people who would call mm -hmm. themselves progressive yeah. Christians um, as far as even simple things like who is Jesus or what is the gospel, things that as, as Bible believing Christians, we can all agree on who Jesus is and what the gospel is, we would hope. Um, but among progressive Christians, I think there would be a varying yeah. a number of answers to even simple questions like that, because everything comes down to how you're feeling or what you are thinking and not, um, not absolute truth. And it really does come down to then, believing that there is absolute truth 
and it's not just my truth versus your truth. Um, and and so there's just this this lack of uniformity in progressive Christianity, mm -hmm. which is is very interesting. And I think that to me, that's a telltale sign that something is probably uh, not not accurate and not true is when even people who would call themselves something don't agree. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that, that should be a telltale sign. Yeah. And, and the other way to simply recognize this and recognize it as false teaching is uh, when your beliefs and your church are just consistently following what your culture is doing and doesn't look any different. And hmm, interesting, you know, you used to believe this, but now that the culture has moved mm -hmm. this way, now you're moving that way too. I mean, it's so obvious <laughs> that that's what's happening. Um, it's almost amazing that anybody um, would would embrace this. Why wouldn't you just abandon Christianity? Because you're obviously not following Christ. You're not following his view of scripture. You're following your own cultural understanding of the way things should be. And you're just Christianizing that basically. Um, so that would be, that would be a, a way to, to see through that for sure. Um, another big one is the false prosperity gospel, as it's called. What's that about? Yeah. So uh, as the name implies, it's all about prosperity. Uh, specifically, uh, if you believe this gospel, if you believe in Jesus, it guarantees that you should be healthy and wealthy and just have a great life, material possessions coming out the wazoo, basically. Um, and um, what, what we actually see in the scripture is that that's, that's not always going to be the case. That's not a guarantee that we will be uh, physically healthy and wealthy all the time. Uh, look at the disciples. Uh, they certainly, I mean, they, they all died as a result of, of their faith uh, and were persecuted horribly. They, as far as their physical lives went, from a, uh, just a very human perspective, it looks horrible. Um, and so uh, we, we see obvious evidence, biblical evidence that, hmm, this, this must, must not be true. But yet the, the appeal is, of course, life will be awesome if I believe. Uh, and so it, it sucks people in. Um, and because uh, and, people want to have a, a nice, cushy, easy life, whether that's people here in North America who already have it probably very easy as mm -hmm. it is, uh, or people in third world countries who are told, hey, believe mm -hmm. this and you'll be rich beyond your wildest dreams. It'll be like being in America and so on and so forth. And it's just, to me, that that is despicable. Uh, that is just horrible, mm -hmm. a horrible, horrible lie to tell people uh, who have so many physical needs mm -hmm. um, and, and you sell them a, a load of garbage uh, and tell them that that's Christianity, uh, where very clearly it's not. And it's also, I, I think that the prosperity gospel is very manipulative because what you see is um, preachers who teach prosperity gospel um, exemplify it very well. They are very rich and have material goods way more than they would ever need. Um, and they want more. And so what they do is manipulate and say, mm -hmm. like, you know, you don't have enough faith to give money to me or to my church. If you do, you'll you'll become rich as well, which is like, hey, that's logical. Give more money and you'll become more rich. But uh, but people fall for it because they see this example of someone who believes this this false truth um, and is rich beyond their wildest dreams. And so people buy in and it, it's sad and it's it's counter completely counter to what uh, to what the Bible actually says the gospel is. And and it's a it's sad because it's a very popular 
uh, belief throughout the entire world. And I just think it's, it's absolutely corrupt and evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Desperate people here, maybe not the money thing always, but often it's the healing. Yeah. Well, you know, if you just, you know, believe enough, if you follow our teaching and buy our books and buy our seminars and send us some money or, you know, we'll send you some holy oil or something like that, uh, then you'll be healed. Right. And automatically hundred percent for sure. And that is so devastating to people then when they're not. And then they, instead of doubting often or questioning the false teacher, they question themselves. Maybe I didn't have enough faith. It's a terrible, evil, evil teaching that devastates so many people. And I would just say the way to discern this kind of teaching, because sometimes it's blatant like that. Other times it's more subtle. It's basically this. Is Christ a stepping stone to something else? That's the prosperity gospel. If Christ is the stepping stone to having money, to being healthy, to being healed, the stepping stone to, you know, feeling good about yourself or success or whatever. No, Christ is the end in itself, right? Mm-hmm. That is the gospel, as Paul will say later uh, in chapter 3, 8. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And then later he says, whether I'm in plenty or want, I've learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. I can do what he wants me to do and I can live for him and know him more deeply because that's what the Christian life is. It's not Christ as the means to something else that I really want that's better. It's Christ is the end. He's the treasure. He's the gain. Uh, we receive a, a renewed relationship with him and with the triune God through faith in him. That's the true gospel. So, um, uh, yeah, we're we're going a little bit longer than we have other times. So maybe we'll just uh, end with this final thought. Um there's also false teaching that often could come up within Orthodox Christianity, within groups and denominations and institutions that would believe the essentials of the Christian faith, would affirm, let's say, the Apostles' Creed, that sort of thing. But within those, there can be some teachers who um, intentionally or sometimes unintentionally can start preaching a false gospel or sometimes maybe even just a confused gospel. And it always comes down to the same thing. It always comes down to adding works to faith in Christ. It's Christ plus something else. Sometimes that can be groups like the Judaizers in Paul's day who said, no, we actually have to be obeying the old covenant law. We got to essentially be Jews. And there's movements like that, like the Hebrews roots movements, Um, some other groups as well that basically say, no, you still have to follow the old covenant law to be right with God. Um, there would also be legalism. I mean, just people who are essentially preaching that, yes, it's faith in Christ, but then here's a, here's a bunch of man-made rules that you also have to follow. And if you don't do those things, or you do these things that we're saying are wrong, then you're falling away from grace. Uh, Would you have any other examples of that? Uh, yeah, I I would think, uh, another example would perhaps be, uh, institutions such as uh, Catholicism. Mm -hmm. It would be an example where, as an institution, it is faith plus works like that is that is what they teach. Now, as, as a caveat to that, I would just say, of course, there would be individuals that are within uh, Catholic churches that believe and are, are genuine Bible believing Christians who have their faith in Christ alone. Um, and, and there's probably priests as well that would believe that. But as an institution, they do teach and uh and spread the news of faith plus do these things as well, whether it's the sacraments or, or good works or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's that's another example um, where we see this this faith plus um, is what I would call it. And as soon as there's a plus with that faith, 
uh, we we know that that is a false teaching. Yeah, because then it's adding to the work of Christ, yeah. right? And so that that again is how we can discern this kind of teaching. Uh, is the good news Christ? Who Christ is? What Christ has done? Christ is the end goal. Christ is the end gain. Uh, whatever. Christ is the true God. I mean, really, when it comes down to all these false teachings, they all come down to Christ, essentially. And so know Christ, know who he truly is, know what he has truly done, put all your confidence in him alone, grow in your knowledge of Christ as revealed in the scriptures. And that will be your best defense against these false teachings and others, which is what we would encourage you to do. So, so much more we could say on that, but we hope that that discussion was helpful for you. And we'd encourage you again to have similar discussions with other people and uh, find ways that we can help and encourage each other, guard each other, protect each other from false teaching. While at the same time, like Paul says, not losing our joy because knowing that the truth always prevails in the end. So finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. We hope that you will do that and that you'll find uh, this episode of this podcast, uh, a reason to rejoice with us in Christ and who he is and in his truth. So that's where we'll end. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. And we'll see you next time. See you. See ya.